You're listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. Amen. If you could locate chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 and 13, we are going to read from the New Living Translation. And as it is custom here at Diverse City, if you could, for just one moment, stand with me as we honor and reverence the Lord as we read two passages. Amen. Hallelujah. Awesome job, worship team. It just feels different. Anybody else feel something different right now? Hallelujah. Thank you, Stephanie and Angie. You guys are awesome. You do a great job with the team. Week in and week out, it's getting gooder and gooder. I know that's not proper English, but it sounds better. Don't judge me. Amen. All right. We got it? Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 and 13. Ready, read. One day, soon after, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them. Before you sit down, just give five people a hug and say, God picked me. Tell five people, God picked me. Be a prophet and tell the person that you're hugging that God picked you too. God picked me. Hallelujah. Say, God picked me. Say it with your chest. God picked me. Look to your neighbor and say, God picked you. One, two, three. God picked us. One more time. God picked us. Amen. All right. Here we are, part two of the Unwrapped series. I'm so excited to be able to bring the word for you today. First, got to give a shout out to Pastor Virginia for kicking it off last week. Give it up, give it up, give it up. It is such a pleasure and an honor to have so many awesome gifts in the body of Christ that I can just take a week and just say, hey, I'm just going to chill and focus on the family. You just bring the word. And it was nothing missing, nothing lacking. It was great. So if you were not here last week, we talked about the story of Lazarus. Um, Our series for this month is Unwrapped. So all through December, the goal is to talk about Jesus. Um, Many people are focused on Christmas and trying to take the Christ out of Christmas and say, Happy Holidays. No, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. But it's not about the things that are under the tree But this season is about what hung on the tree. 
So during this time when we look at the Unwrap series, it may go through December, but Jesus did so much in a brief 33-year period, it may take us even into January. So as we talked last week, our focus was receiving the gift of life. Um, we looked at the story of Lazarus and got an understanding about how dead things can come back to life if you just call on Jesus. He may not show when you want him, but when he comes, he's right on time. So today, when it comes to God picked me, it makes me think about being a young little lad going out to the basketball court and you shoot from the three-point line to figure out who's gonna be the two captains. The hard part is, when you don't make it, the main thing on my mind is, I don't wanna be picked last. First round pick, I want Gio. Next, I want Miss Kay, because I know she can do the crossover. <laughs> Third, we're gonna get Sarah, because she's good with passing. Next, we're gonna get David, set. we're gonna get David, because he can dunk on people. But nobody wants to be pitched last. Nobody wants to feel like the leftovers. And there are many people in here that feels like I come to church because I'm a leftover. I come to church because I didn't get picked by this person. I come to church because they decided to pick this person. But for Unwrapped Today, our goal is for you to be able to figure out your identity in Christ. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, if you go to the next slide, we see the setting. Um, Luke starts off going through the genealogy of Christ. It talks about Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. Then it moves into Jesus going into the wilderness and being tested for 40 days. Then he starts to do some teaching. And now he's at the point where he understands that if I want to build a legacy, if I want to create duplication and multiplication, I need others around me. So for this critical decision in his life, what does he decide to do first? Go to the mountain and pray. Not just our Father, hallowed be thy name, but he prays all night. Has anybody ever had a situation where you had to pray all night? You just said, Jesus ain't going to do it. I just got to go all night or try, had a decision or an interview or a big change where you tried to go to sleep and you just kept getting woken up again. 3 a.m., 4 a.m., no alarm clock, and God is just trying to call and say, hey, we need to talk about this thing. I don't want you to make a decision that's wrong. And we see in this scenario here is that Jesus says, I have to make a decision to pick a few people that are gonna be responsible for carrying forward my mission when I'm gone, about planting the church, about creating disciples. And when, when, and when, we, when, we, when we see in verse 13 is that I've not called a lot of people, but he has chosen some. Now, what was God looking for when he chose people? He was not looking for the brave. He was not looking for the cream of the crop. He was not looking for the religious folks. He was not looking for people that thought they had it all together. But God was looking for some imperfect people. God was looking for some people that if you try them, they may cut you. 
God chose a few people that in one chapter, in verse 23, he says, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. But then seven verses later, the same person he said, get behind me, Satan. God chose some people that were doubters. God chose some people that cheated and hoodwinked people on taxes. God chose some people that were real. God chose some people that were ordinary, but knew there was something on the inside of them that says, I know I can do something great. I know I can do something extraordinary. If you're extraordinary, make some noise. Okay. If you're imperfect, make some noise. Okay, just making sure, because if this was the perfect church for perfect people, I would just tell you to leave right now and come back next week. But since we all got a few little issues, we can continue. So when I first got saved, one of the cliches that I thought was true, that I've come to learn was a lie, is that I found Anybody else ever said that? Said like, hey, I found God. And God had to show me I was lost. <laughs> I was the one that was tripping. I was the one on my prodigal son mission. Matter of fact, God told me it was me that put it on your mind to choose you. It was me that drawed you closer to this church. It was me that said, come to Diverse City. It's something different there. And I thought I was bad to the bone. But God is saying, the things that you're doing that are right, he's the one that gave it to you. Because left to our own, the Bible talks about our righteousness is as filthy as rags. Can't even tell you what it says in the Greek. Nikki Mel want to throw up, but it talks about menstrual cycles. That's how filthy our righteousness is. John 15, check this out. Look what it says. Since y'all don't think I'm crazy. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you, and I called you, and when you fell down, I'm the one that helped you get back up. That you should go and bear fruit. And my fruit is different. My fruit should remain. I'm the one that ordered your steps. I'm the one that gave you that job. I'm the one that gave you that wife. When you sit back and think, oh man, I married way over my head. I'm the one that put her in your path. Because Christianity as a whole is not a picture, it's a portrait. Let me explain. Christianity being a picture, what means that all of us have an identical walk, an identical assignment, but God is saying it's a portrait. You just need the cross. Some of you got saved at four years old. Some of us are getting saved at 44 years old. Some of us are getting saved married. Some of us are getting saved unmarried. It's the same thing when we look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Aren't they all telling the same story? But it's not a picture, it's a portrait. 
if we go outside and we all see a car accident, based on your perspective, you're going to see it differently. One person may say, hey, I seen a person going 45 miles per hour. They were playing with their phone. Then I may go talk to Serena and say, this person ran the stop sign. But at the end of the day, it was an accident. But God is not a God of accidents because Christianity is embracing who you are and understanding whose you are and understanding what is your identity in Christ. Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9 and 10, starting with the B clause, it says, I am God, and there is none like me. Verse number 10, it says, I make known the end from the beginning. I make known, listen, the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand above your plans, above your ideas. I will do all of that I please. You want something to tweet? Tweet this. I put this on Facebook this morning. Your future is God's past. As we go through life, what is it, December 7th? Or what's the day? I don't even know. Huh? 8th. December 8th. We're all in living color. We're going through this the first time, but God is watching the replay. When you mess up, he's not tweeting and saying, oh my gosh, did you see that? Did you see what they just did? He already saw it. He's seen who you were going to be raised by. He knew your ethnicity. He knew the day you were going to be born. He knew the day you were going to die. And we get so consumed about what's going on right now. And he's saying, I've already seen the end. But he's not like your friend when you go to the movies and you've seen it five times and they talk the whole time. He's just sit back and watch. If you raise your hand, I'll help you out. But he has already orchestrated our steps. Your future is God's past. So here we are as we continue on. Let's talk about four gifts that everyone needs to unwrap their identity in Christ. Has anybody in here, by a show of hands, struggled with, what am I here for? All right, we got a few honest people. Has anybody here struggled with, what's next? Has anybody in here struggled with, I'm not sure if I'm ready for all that God has for me in 2020? Okay, here we go. Point number one. When we look at all of the people that God has used beyond the disciples, he used old people, he used young people, he used patriots, he used white-collar people, he used blue-collar people, he used no-collar people that need to fill out an application. He used the uneducated, and he used the educated. Many of us have been told you got to be dumb to be able to follow Christ, that Christianity is for a bunch of fools. But think about those that are actually writing the text, like scribes, that are being used in a specific assignment. Historians will tell you scribes 
actually even know two, maybe even three different languages to produce a holy and awesome word. Point number one, for you to find your identity in Christ, you got to answer the call. It's not just a one-time call, but when God is ready to do a shift, when God is ready to do a move, when God is ready to reposition you in your part in life, you got to answer the call. When he calls, what's your response? When he calls, is his name coming up on the call ID? When he calls, will he get a blocked response? When he calls, how many times can we see that was it, it was in your recent information? I had to find my gift. I forgot where I put it. Hold up. on the other side. This is how some of y'all look for the call. Where's the phone ringing? <sighs> Dang it. Holy Spirit, give me direction. All right, here we go. I think this is it. Will you answer the call? I called my phone. It didn't ring, man. It was a player move. It didn't work. Will you answer the call? This is the first gift all of my fantasy football updates is pretty bad. All right. What happens when God calls you? Because when someone else calls, we know how to pick up. They got a special ringtone. Certain signs and tendencies go on. And many of us are okay with accepting the call to give your life to Christ. But most of us are willing to hit the decline button when he says, now I need you to live for me. Moses, when it was time for him to pick up the second and the third call, he told God, pick somebody else. I'm no good at speaking. When Isaiah got the call, he said, I am a man of unclean lips. When David got the call, he said, my sins are ever before me. You know I got a woman prop. Are you sure you want to use me to lead and change the people? Yes, it is me calling. If we talk a little bit more through communion, through fellowship, you'll understand that my assignment will not go in vain. The word I have told you is still there. The word I have given you, despite what your family, despite what your friends say, you're still called. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm called. Look to your other neighbor and say, he picked me. All right, y'all, y'all sound a little tired. Okay. Peter, depart from me, for I am a wicked man. Peter, a man that wrote multiple books of the Bible, had a few moments when God called him and he hit decline. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but there was a few times when God called him, and he says, the evil which I would not do, that would I do. Anybody else struggle with the things you want to do? It's the hardest thing to do. But the things that you don't want to do, it's like second nature to you. Anybody want to go to the gym? Hallelujah. 
help me. I've been doing so good this week, I went four times. But I had a few, I had about four donuts too. Jesus. And it was all in the house of God. I rebuked that temptation at home, but I could not deny my brother and sister in the Lord. God, I know I should wash clothes, but never mind, I'm done. So Jesus is calling on most of us in this situation. Some of us have said, I'm going to put on pause, you can go to the next one, about the next assignment of my life, and Jesus is steady ringing your phone. Stop waiting until 2020, and when you get to 2020, you're going to say after February. He is wondering who is willing to answer the call, not tomorrow, not yesterday's call, but what is God calling you to do right now? See, some of the things, too, we look at easy calls, but sometimes God will give you a call, and it will be like, yo, I don't know about this one. I think about Mary and Elizabeth. Imagine being Mary and Elizabeth in a Sunday morning. You hook up with your girls. And they say, what you do this weekend? I went to the grocery store. I went and got me some Christmas gifts. We hung up our tree. And Mary said, I got pregnant. Are you married? And I got pregnant by God. That's the call he gave me. Imagine carrying for it that promise. Some of you have been told crazy, out of this mind, inconceivable, mission impossible. And when you tell others, they're going to tell you to decline. That was not God. But I'm so glad we have a diverse city church. When you tell your neighbor that you have a call, when you tell your neighbor that God wants to do this in you, that we're going to handle it with no conditions, no judgment, just love. Yes, maybe it's off this time, but truth and time will reveal all. But there is a few, a remnant, a few that are exceptional, those that are called to walk on water, those that are called to sit in the middle of the line, and those that are called to have a burning bush give them their next instruction. And God is saying, are you willing accept my call because it's not necessarily what God wants to do through you if you don't believe it yourself some of us has handicapped our situation and God is saying you are married go find your Elizabeth because when you come together on a Sunday morning when my worship and your praise come into agreement, when I say thank you and Mary say hallelujah, when Elizabeth say hallelujah, praise you, Jesus, there's an explosion that can happen. God is calling many of us to carry forth John the Baptist, the point guard of God's holy kingdom. And there are some of us that are called to play a sinner for a season. Mary has the center. Elizabeth has the point guard. But the point guard has to assist it up for Jesus to be able to come through.
Many times we get caught up in this statistic, that statistic, and it begins to dilute the things that God has called for you to do. Don't be a discourager, but be an encourager, because what I understand is that if I can make your baby leap, you can make my baby leap. The Bible says what, God, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. The Bible talks about give, give, give. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together and running over. I'm sorry. Bless them, Lord. Touch my creativity. Hallelujah. Gift number two that we all have to unwrap. instruction manual. This book right here, this is my first study Bible. If someone stole it, I would pay them $10,000 to get it back. The, the sermons, the notes, everything that chronicled my 14-year journey in Christ. This word is precious. And so many times we get caught up with other avenues of information that's really not that important. And God is saying, consume this. He said, if you want to find your identity, you got to get your mind right. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and more hearing by the word Do you know the place of how to respond when others treat you wrong? Do you know the place to have a great marriage? David said, I hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against God. But here's the part that tripped me out. Check this out. God needs you to succeed. Why? Because God built his success in creation is a reflection of his reputation. If you don't succeed, he doesn't succeed. He designed us to succeed because he has our best interests at heart. I know this is old-fashioned. I know we want to hear more. We want to get prophesied to. You can do it. You just read it. You can do it if you're willing to understand and pull back what God is doing. Let me break this down real quick. Y'all good? We got two more gifts. Hang in there. Check this out. Every creator cares about his creation. Every producer cares about his product. Here's the manufacturing product. Let's, let's be very practical here. Number one, the manufacturer put his name on the product. Where's your tattoo of Jesus? It's on my thigh. Never mind. <laughs> every product, every manufacturer put his name on the product. 
Where's the name on your shoes? Where's the name on your purse? Where's the name on your phone? Because every manufacturer puts the name on the product, brand recognition, brand reputation, because based on your experience and your quality with that product represents them. If I created basketball shoes and just call them Jam and James and have that ugly little Shaq logo, Duncan, and put it beside some Jordans with the Jumpman, who wants to buy some Jam and James? But based on the reputation of the manufacturer, we buy Jordans for 200, 300, all because of the brand. Number two, the product was finished before it was delivered. You're already finished. You may not be fruitful, but you're seedful. Sometimes you just got to figure out how to water it. Some's going to plant it, but God will bring the increase. The product doesn't come into this world unless it's already finished. You may have to adjust some of your assembly parts because you decided not to follow the instructions but it's already finished. Say, I'm finished. finished. See a lot of big eyes looking at me. Y'all okay? Stay with me. Number three, no product leaves the factory until it's been tested. Think about whatever product you want. There are people getting paid right now to make sure what you buy works it is operational, and if you look at the back of any book of what you get, there are warranties and guarantees. This book, over 7,000 guarantees. If you're willing to work it to fulfill and to understand your true identity in Christ. Say amen. Amen. All right, that's better. Number four. When you get a new product, check this out, it's not new. How are you going to know if the phone is going to have eight hours of battery life? How do you know the phone is going to allow you to work on the internet? Because it's already been tested. It's not new. It's new to you, but allow me to reintroduce my, never mind. It's not new to you. Number five, the last thing a manufacturer put on a product is his image. Let us create man in our own. Let us create man in our own image. All of the testing, all of the assemblies that were required and before the doctor slaps your butt as you enter into the earth. You already have his image. But we have to understand where our identity comes from in the instruction manual. 
but pastor, I got issues, but pastor, I got a lot of problems, but pastor, are you sure that he's picked me? Pastor, are you sure that he did not forget? Did you, are you sure that I'm not a defect? But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. See, when God tried to figure out how he's going to bring forth his manifestation, how he's going to bring forth his glory, he wasn't choosing between good and bad. It's just bad and just as bad. All of us in here got issues. All of us need to make sure we stay close to the manufacturer or we're going to have a situation. Gift number three. I think it's over here. Gift number three. The mirror. What do you see when you look into the mirror? Is it good things? Is it bad things? Do you see your toupee? Do you see your nails? What you see in the mirror matters. What you see determines how you allow people to treat you. Look into the mirror. What is the first thing you see? It's more than just the physical. <laughs> she said it's pasty. Dusty, Lord have mercy. We had a dirty life. We had a real dirty life. It's dusty. We've been collecting a lot of dust. This ain't come from my house. No, <laughs> Dang. I'm sorry, I did not plan to say that. Hallelujah. The mirror. You have to see through the lens of Christ. When you see in the mirror, stop going for the imperfections. Stop going for what you need to fit but work on what God has told you to do. The mirror. Listen, I went through periods in my life where two years, I didn't even want to look into a mirror. I was upset, I was frustrated, I was mad at a lot of people, I was mad at God, and I broke a few mirrors because I forgot where my identity came from. said, surely he messed up with me. Surely he would have gave me different parents. Surely he would have birthed me into a different situation. But God is saying when you get your instruction manual, when you answer the call, you're going to see something different. The mirror. Talk to God when you're in the mirror. Start giving yourself positive affirmations. Start allowing him to be able to speak 
into your life about the things that he's called for you. God, I look at my situation. I don't know how I'm going to get out. Remember, your future is God's past. Hallelujah. Who's been dropped before? Hallelujah. Anyway, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23, because you're still resisting the pastor. It says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. So this is Peter giving an account when he's watching Jesus go through the toughest period of his life. He understands that all power, all glory, all honor, and all divinity is in him. And when the persecution came, he kept his mouth closed. Study anywhere that anyone that's been crucified, they scream, they curse, they do all type of things, and Jesus remained quiet. But the reason is why. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judged justly. Verse number 24. He himself said nothing to bore our sins. In his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you so what God wants us to do, if we want to live in his identity, we have to live fearlessly, but then we also have to understand that we have been restored. And the last part, he's been healed. The thing you see in the mirror that upsets you, the thing that you see in the mirror, God is able to heal you from it. It may not happen what you want, but through diligence, he's able to reward those who diligently Seek him. Ephesians 2.10, for those that still have an ugly image in the mirror. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us a long time ago. Take it, take it to your seat. You, listen. have a few neat freaks. God said you are a masterpiece. So that means your assignment in life, if you needed to be taller, you would be taller. That means for your assignment in your life, if you needed to be born in LA where the weather is great, you would be there. If your assignment required for you to be able to sing, you could but you're stuck like me, making a joyful noise. <laughs> Everything you need, he already gave it to you. Your design is directly connected to your purpose. Luke 12 and 7. But the very hairs on your head are numbered. Not measured, not counted, but they're numbered. The lack of hair or the abundance of hair, it's all numbered. He already knows when you're going to cut your hair, how much is left, when you're going to add some hair on, whatever you decide is already numbered. God cares about you that much. So what does that mean? That we are extremely valuable to him. 
You may not be valuable to your neighbor. You may not be valuable to your friends. You may not be valuable to your family. You go to work, they say you are the problem. Your kids may say you are a pain, but God is saying you are promised with a purpose, with a plan, with a destiny. Philippians 3 and 13, brethren, I counted all myself to apprehend, but the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching towards the things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prizes of the upward call of God in Christ. It makes me think last night, normally Saturday night, I shut down. All I do is study and read, but then we decided to play some Uno, you know? Where my Uno players at? You don't want to see me, I promise. So, and you do need strategy for Uno. I don't care what you say. So, we started to play, it was me, Hope, David, Aldine, and Miss Michelle came over. So I'm like, okay, you know, should I treat my house guests with courtesy? and slide a victory or two. And I'm like, I'll give up the first couple, but when I get hot, it's on. So game number one, my son is grinning. Uno, bam, he won the first one. Game number two, hope, uno, bam. I'm just sitting back, you know, reading the board, watching the tendencies of the table. When you gonna play your draw two? When do you play your draw for? When do you like to skip people? I'm watching it, everything, body language. And the next thing you know, we get to game number four. Bam, got him, uno. Got him, those, two wins, three, tres. And the next thing you know, by the end of the night, there's one champion standing strong, riding for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I said it's going to be a great sermon today. Yes. But here's the thing. Before I had 30 to 45 minutes to celebrate. As we were getting ready to leave, I said, God has already told me that, you know, first quarter of 2020, just study and exhaust the book of Romans. And then Michelle sends me, she said, hey, let's check out this video. This guy's awesome at teaching Romans. I'm like, cool, it's cool in the game. Let's cut it on, let's watch it. So she cuts on the video and you have a guy that recites Romans chapter 1 through chapter 8, word for word. And God said to me, hey, there's levels to this. I'm calling you to go deeper. It's great that you won your Uno game. But what you going to do for me to take your kingdom game to the next level? He got to chapter one. I'm like, I've heard people quote one chapter. Chapter two, I'm like, oh, God. And he's not just saying words. He's doing gestures. He's doing body language. And he's just killing it. And I'm like, he got to be paraphrasing. Open it up. And I said, Lord, I desire to have more of you. God, I desire to answer that type of call. Despite if I do anything else in ministry, I want to know you. I want to understand you. And if that means to give up more of my morning time or nighttime 
to understand and to be able to teach and share the instructions manual for you to be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Servant, I'll do it. Will you get inconvenience to reveal your identity, which will lead to your destiny? Or are you willing to just go through the mundane, the routine, staying here? But God is saying to press forward. There are prizes, there are blessings ahead if you understand that the front mirror is bigger than your rearview mirror. Oh, the rearview mirror is closer. No. God is trying to do something big. God is trying to do something great. God is ready to open up the windows of heaven. He wants to pour you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to contain. But you got to keep your eyes on the prize. You got to answer the call. You have to look into the mirror. You have to follow the instructions. I wrote this down. Your destiny is chosen by God, but its fulfillment is decided by you. God is already saying, I got all of these gifts ready for you. It's a part of my perfect will and assignment. But you're just settling for the permissive will. I'm not just talking to you. There are things that I do that I'm just settling for because it's easy and because I can understand with my own intellect and knowledge. And God is saying he wants to be able to fulfill things to blow your everlasting mind. But it's up to you. You have to decide and it's gonna require payment every day. You have to decide that it's the most important and the most precious thing to you, getting all that God has for you. It's gonna require some separation, and just like Jesus, you may have to go to your prayer closet and stay there until you hear from him. Or read to get understanding and ask questions, and when you reach back out to him, he'll answer the call for you. Gift number four. Now, for a person like me, this is the hardest one to receive, the gift of grace. Grace. God's unmerited favor for your life. God's undeserving grace for your life. God will give you grace to run your race. But you can't earn it. You can't just take it away, pick it up. You have to receive it. Receive his grace. Receive his mercy. And while you've had to earn through your wages, while you've had to earn through your friendship, while you had to earn through your friends, while you had to earn love from other people, his grace, you have to receive it. Old people would say in the joy for us, amazing grace. That's it. 
the young people would say, ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Jesus Christ is the one that saved me. Never mind. Frustrated rapper, it comes out every now and again. I'm done. I promise. Grace. It's the same. It's available for all of us. Say, God picked me. God picked me. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Are we good? Can I got five more minutes? Here we go. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Check it what he says about diversity. But we are chosen. We are his chosen people. In the midst of our imperfectness, a royal priesthood. God has called us to be a holy church and be able to impact this nation. God is saying that you are his special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Beyond all of your struggles, beyond all of the times that you fell, God is saying, I chose you. Get back up. Beyond the rejections, Beyond the situations that made your credit score go down, he's saying, I still chose you. Beyond the person you knew you shouldn't be with, I still chose you. You are my chosen people, your royalty. I'm talking to ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking to kings and queens. I'm talking to conquerors. chosen. Jeremiah 31 and 3. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. See, many times we hear the phrase, I love you. And for many of us, that's, a, that's not enough. We, we got to hear, I love you because. I love you because you're beautiful. I love you because you did this for me. I love you because of that. God has said, my love is everlasting. All sources, all forms of love comes from me. Because if I loved you because you're beautiful, sooner or later, things are going to move in the places you don't want them to move. <laughs> things are going to grow. Things are going to change. You may be taken care of today. You may be able to help. But God is saying, right where you are, my love is everlasting, which means it's unconditional, which means it's unending, and it's not based on your performance. It's a hard thing. The reason God chose the disciples and not the religious folks, because God is more, he cares more about your heart versus your habits. The religious folks were all about habits. Do this, do that, do this, do that, do this. But their heart wasn't in the right place. God is saying, if I can get your heart, then I'm going to get your head, and then it's going to be second nature for you, for your habits to be able to come. But you have to unwrap the things, the tools, the equipment I have given to you. Back to where we started. Because you did not choose, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you 
that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Stephanie, you can come up here. Destiny, purpose, provision is wrapped up in your identity. You're not identified by your situation. You're not identified by your generation. But our identity has to come from Christ. Stand to your feet, church. Matter of fact, there are a few people in here, it's at least five, that say, you know what? I've tried to find my identity in other things. I've tried this, I've tried that. I thought my own merits were gonna work. And God is saying, come to the altar. God is saying, I want to give you a brand new identity. Whether you're struggling with answering the call, whether you're struggling with finding time to get your instruction manual, whether you're struggling with understanding that God's grace is available for you right where you are. Because God doesn't just see what's ahead. He can see around the corner. God has it all under control, but you gotta unwrap them. The gift is waiting right for you, but what are you gonna do with it? Are you willing to receive it? At this time, I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their heads. We're gonna do one corporate prayer, but there's a few people that need to make a public declaration that enough is enough. I'm choosing to unwrap Christ. I'm choosing to accept his identity and be all that he has called me to be. So dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for all of the great and the wonderful things that you have done. I thank you for the work that you're doing in the hearts and in the minds of the people of Diverse City. Lord, I thank you right now that we're leaving out with the old and we're in with the new. Lord, I thank you for those that are in Christ. We are a new creature. We choose to select you as our manufacturers. And so we come unto you, for your word says you draw, if we draw nigh to you, that you're able to draw nigh to us. So Lord, I pray for your people to be touched and impact and make a fresh commitment, not in January, not in February, not when they have 2020 vision, but right now on December and saying, I want more of you. I desire to have more of you. I desire to see what you're able to do through me. So, Lord, just like the disciples, as we're wondering if I'm accepted, if I'm wondering if I'm capable, God, you have chosen your people. I thank you, Lord, for everyone under the sound of my voice is accepted, is fearfully and wonderfully made, that are full with purpose. They are full with destiny. And no matter how many gifts and the fruit that they see in their life, everything that they need is already in them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you need prayer.